श्री गुरुवशना गुरु परंपरा की जाए गुड इवनिंग एवरीवन बिफोर वी बिगिन आई हैव अ स्ट्रांग फीलिंग होप यू शेयर विद मी दैट वी शुड सिट अ लिटिल क्लोजर टुगेदर इट्स बेटर फॉर कीर्तन थैंक यू That way I can feel you a little bit better. That's important. I'd like to speak a little bit tonight from Bhagavad Gita about Kirtan, which uh, we'll be doing tonight as well, which is quite popular these days in the spiritual uh, community. And uh, it's mentioned in the Gita, Kirtan. So I'd like to... draw your attention to the section can you hear me okay where the where kirtan is mentioned give you the context and then discuss the verse itself comes in the ninth chapter ninth chapter is the center of the gita 18 chapters so nine is in the middle and the ninth chapter is entitled raja vidya yoga the yoga of the 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 king the emperor of knowledge so the highest knowledge found in the ninth chapter and we find at the interestingly enough that the highest knowledge is also rajavidyam rajaguhyam the highest knowledge the king of knowledge is also the king of secrets it's not obvious so it's really kind of common sense but that's rather uncommon as it's sometimes said and what does it amount to in the gist of it is man manabhava madbhakto at the end of the chapter krishna says this is the end of knowledge this is the secret of secrets this is the king of knowledge what is that man manabhava madbhakto madjaji mam namaskuru he said uh, become my devotee that's all hmm? and central to that um devotion to krishna is this kirtan so it comes in the chapter and before it's mentioned krishna speaks about himself he says i'm difficult to understand and people often misunderstand me when i appear in the world and as a result of misunderstanding me they deride me they think that my leela my divine sport is less than divine it's a fantasy it's uh, a story only perhaps various misconceptions he says abound about me and i'm a little difficult to understand admittedly perhaps he implies that but he says that other than those who misunderstand me there are those who are of a different nature he says and they are called mahatmas mahatmanas tu nam parta daivim prakritim ashritah after saying something about these mahatmas 
that they move in the world in a particular way under a different influence, hmm? not under the karmic influence. He says, daivim prakritim, under a, under a divine shakti rather than the maya shakti, an illusory influence, an enlightening influence. They move under the direction of this, under the force of this. Their adherence to me is ananya, ananya, bhajan, that is one-minded, fixed, and then to our verse, satatam kirtayantomam, etantas chadridabhata, namashantas chamam nityam, nitya yukta upasate. So we'll go over it a little bit. Satatam kirtayantomam, he says, of course, they're always chanting about me. This is where the word kirtan comes. But, as he's mentioned, those who engage in this kirtan, they are not ordinary atmas, they're maha-atmas. Mahatma means, it means like big, big soul, great soul, big. And then the kind the, 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 the polar opposite is the duratma. Duratma means, dura means, it means kind of mean, bad, the mean souls. So you have the great souls and you have the mean souls. Sometimes and often actually I say that by, by giving, the self expands and by taking, it contracts. So we all have some experience of this to whatever extent we give and really give, we feel bigger. Although, as I've often said, we don't have anything to hold up to show people what we got. I got this forgiving, but it's apparent in our character, in the character of those who give, that they are bigger and better thereby. No one thinks that a Hitler is more evolved than a Mother Teresa, for example. She's a more evolved person, a kinder person. Survival of the of the kindest is the kind of, if you will, way in which the Bhagwat in the Gita, also the Bhagwat being its sequel, responds to the re, the reality of Jivojivasta Jivanam, the the the, dar, the, the uh, at its core the uh, Darwinian idea that there's a struggle for existence in Bhagwat is said Jivojivasya Jivanam one living being is food for another. So it's a world of hunters and hunted. The hunters and the hunted. But as pessimistic as that may seem, uh, it doesn't stop there. And it suggests, promotes, um, even uh, compels us by its um, wisdom, insight, to be kinder people, and 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 uh, lays out a philosophy and a theology as to how we can survive hmm, by not random acts of con- uh, kindness. Well, that's a good start, but even if they're random, our acts of kindness, we should start somewhere, and gradually, then the the focus of our kindness will be refined. Hmm? 
And the more it is refined, then the more we will experience the fact that giving is getting. Sometimes we give and we don't feel that we're we're getting. That may be because we attach giving to our getting. Or it may also be that the object to which we give hmm, is not that well thought out. It's not that well refined. It's an object that cannot take to the extent we might like to give. All things, for example, in this world are here today and and gone tomorrow. And there's a thing kind of side to us as well. There's an objective and a subjective component that makes up our sense of self at present. Consciousness, that vague and gray area, hmm? Uh, the experiencer, and then the objective, the experienced. hmm? So on the objective side, in the sense of self, that derives from consciousness, the experiencer investing itself in, in the experienced. Hmm? That um, objective sense of self, that, so to speak, immaterial sense of self, a con- the, uh, the conventional ego, that cannot survive and it's not very kind. Hmm? The more we gravitate towards, the more we identify with the inanimate, the more inanimate-like we become. And and in a sense, the, 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 the meaner we become, the less, in other words, ability we have to listen, to reciprocate, to, to consider others, because to invest ourselves only in matter is not to consider very carefully our own selves, even. Hmm? We're a unit of, we would say in Vedanta, of giving potential, giving capacity. Hmm? Matter doesn't have the, it has the ability to be experienced. Hmm? It's dependent, in other words, its meaning is dependent upon consciousness. I've often said if matter mattered, Independently of consciousness, who would know about it? And who would, more importantly, who would care about it? Hmm? Caring is knowing, really. This is the, what Geek Krishna has said here in this chapter. Caring is knowing. Hmm? Loving is knowing. Giving is knowing. There's a kind of knowledge in loving, and giving is at the heart of loving, that's essential. That's not extra baggage kind of knowing. When you, know, when you love, in other words, you, you know what to do. So the task here to do kirtan, really, and thereby to understand Krishna and his divine play, which is, as he says, difficult to understand, easily misunderstood, is to move from duratma to the mahatma idea. But does the soul grow? (laughs) Actually, no. I said that it expands by giving and it contracts by by taking, but it doesn't really grow because it's immeasurable to begin with. Hmm? This is the clear teaching of the Gita. Indeed, to measure, that is maya. You, most of you are familiar with the term maya. That maya, sometimes we can say that which is not maya. And that which is not really is the finite that is a perception. Hmm? Infinite 
everywhere. Nowhere circumference, everywhere center. From the perspective of the Absolute, from Krishna's vantage point. Hmm? My Siksha Guru, Pujapad Bhaktivedanta Siddhartha Goswami Marsh once told of his youthful uh, pursuit of religious and ultimately spiritual life and how he was rather interested in spiritual life in a rel- very religious Brahmin family of West Bengal and um, how his considerable interest was a little too much for the pious family. We go from religious life to experiential spiritual life. The religious would like the irreligious to be religious, but they don't want them to be spiritual sometimes. (laughs) That's a little too much, taking it too seriously. Hmm? To move from coloring, if you will, our human life with with a religious brush so that all of our human activities are in consideration of the fact that we are dependent um, to perform them in the first place. Hmm? That the microcosm of our own bodily existence mirrors the macrocosm, and as there's consciousness behind our body, there's consciousness behind the whole, and the powerful forces of nature that our senses are dependent upon in order for them to function, should be should be uh, approached with gratitude. Hmm? This is kind of the religious idea. You know, in India we have so many gods and, and goddesses representing... Poet- it's a poetic, really, description of nature. It's not a mathematical description of nature. It's a poetic... We, we, we like to think sometimes, pos- obsessed as we are with the need for reason, hmm? and it is an, an obsession... It's it's an, it's from the point of view of Vedanta. It's a it's a it's a very uh, unfortunate obsession. As much as we may be under the influence of our senses and drawn towards bestiality, hmm, animality, we are also under the influence of the sixth sense, our mind. And if we look within the mental internal organ, we find intelligence as well. That kind of quiet voice that might say to us when the mind says, based on input from the senses. Do that, or that might feel good. Intelligence might say, but it might not be good for you. It's a voice that we often don't listen to. Um, it's kind of it can uh, that voice can take us away from animality, but unto itself it cannot bring us to spirituality. It cannot acquaint us with ourself. Hmm? We are. Substance dualists, in a sense, to use a popular term in philosophy of mind, we see that there is a, a difference in substance between consciousness and matter. Hmm? An intellect, mind, these are forms of matter that are subtle, different in one sense from the gross matter, the physical. We have a physical and we have a psychic dimension. To our material self. The psychic dimension kind of translates consciousness into physical into the physical. It's a it's an in-between. And there are laws of that, of course, uh, according to Vedanta, of the subtle realm of matter. But this matter nonetheless, and categorically different from the self, 
and therefore unto itself intelligence, mind, reasoning cannot shed light on that which gives it light, gives it, gives it a life. As much as consciousness lends itself to matter, both subtle and gross, so does the world come into, into being, move. Hmm? Is it animated? Hmm? So we need another means for knowing. Hmm? The senses are a means of knowing. We get information through the senses. It's fed, so to speak, into the mind. Decisions are made by the mind. I like this. I don't like that. This is good. This is bad. This is happy. This is sad. This is hot. This is cold. And a world is formed that we live in. Sovereign, not so sovereign world. Hmm? Our own kingdom in which even we are not comfortable, but we insist everyone else should be comfortable living within unreasonably. Hmm? To come out from underneath this world, this is the idea of yoga, of course. Hmm? It, is a, it is a duratma world. It is a small-minded world. It forces us it, it towards... Uh, it takes us in the direction of, of meanness. We have to be on the take, so to speak, as much as we identify with matter. There's an existence derived from identification with matter that cannot be sustained. There's a carrot in material life, so to speak, that says just around the corner that you'll get all that you need. I've said before, a meal full of appetizers leads only to indigestion. This is the material prospect, so to speak. Just another thing. Just another thought. And everything will be in place. I'll have everything under control. But again, mile means to measure. So this attempt to control in the first place, to measure, this is a wrong idea. There's nothing to measure. So he was, he was, he was, he was told, Pujapatridhar Marsh, by his uncle, Again, he wanted to be more religious. He wanted experiential life. He did not just want to color and paint his human life with the religious brush hmm, and honor the gods and goddesses and do the Surya Namaskar and uh, honor to the sun without whose influence my eyes cannot see hmm, and honor the wind and so forth and without which influence I cannot speak and... And so on. This is, of course, the, again, the religious orientation in, in, in Hinduism, right? It's like in our house. We press a button, we get light. We turn a valve, we get water. We turn something else, we, we get heat. We go to the mailbox, we get a bill. So there's someone on the other end is the point. This is a very simple religious idea given in the, in the, in the Gita. Hmm? So you have to pay that bill. You have to acknowledge, in other words, for all of the things we do, we are dependent to one extent or another. But he wanted to come from, or go from religious orientation, where we, the human activities are all, as I say, colored with a religious or a godly brush. They're all done in consideration of the fact that we're not, we're dependent entities. To move from humanity to spirituality, which is what human life really gives us the opportunity to do, to move from the, the, the confines of humanity, which I like to think of as life in on probation, so to speak, 
life on probation. The self is on probation. Consciousness is rising to a point in human life that it can think about itself. In the less complex forms of life, we don't find that. It's a wonderful moment to be living in. We call it human, human time. And it's really characterized by this. The thought that I exist, a sense of self, and it feels like it moves causally from up to down that I think, and then I do it from consciousness, then everything follows. Hmm? We feel like this is the collective intuitive sense of human society. Hmm? Yoga, Vedanta, Gita, Bhagavat, they come to confirm this. They are the big answer, so to speak, in detail to the question that human life constitutes. Om, the beginning of all revelation, Pranava Omkar, Om. It is an affirmation. It's a big like, yes. So you can ask, well, what's the question? If yes is the answer, and the answer is that we are the question. Human life is the question. Why? Purpose. A sense of purpose. All this arises in human life. Consciousness is there in all forms of life. Consciousness is the life. Again, it animates matter. The connection of the two, experiencer and experienced, makes the world go round. But at a certain point, in adaptation, if you like, life has a tendency to adapt itself, we learn. In science, we don't know how it began, and we don't know what might be thought in science to be the full development thus far of life in the form of human consciousness. What is that consciousness? Difficult to understand that at the one end and where it came from and on the other, on the other, and somewhere in between we acknowledge some adaptation. According to the Spinoza, he said, long before Darwin, the Hindus were evolutionists of some sort. Hmm? They understood life has an ability to adapt itself to different conditions. And they looked at it as life, as consciousness, trying to find its way to humanity, the doorway, hmm? where you can come out of the cell. Hmm? And the, the kind of the solitary confinement that, that the lower or less complex forms of life constitute. Hmm? Now you've come out and you can, you, you can meet others, you can think about yourself. You have the opportunity to say, please, to say thank you, to say you first, to do something voluntarily. There's a kind of determinism in Vedanta. As much as we are determined, What does the Bhagavad say so nicely about Prahlad? He says that, uh, anyway, as much as we are determined for to take, our life will be determined. As much as we are determined to be on the take, then our life will be determined by the reactions from this. There will be no room for, 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 free, for free will, so to speak. I said... Earlier, the more that consciousness lends itself to matter, the more matter-like it becomes. Do you follow me? Hmm? The more we have turned ourselves over to taking and the call of the wild in human dress, which is the opportunity to move from animality to spirituality. It's the, cha- 
It's the, it's the opportunity where reason comes into play. We say we are different from less complex forms of life. We're a reasonable animal. But Mahaprabhu Shri Chaitanya, he said something more. Human life is not different from animal form of life and plant life and so forth, aquatic life, amoebic life, simply because it has reasoning power. No, more. In human life, we have the chance to reason, yes, but we also have the chance to love. So we should reason well how to love. We should use our head to soften our heart, to move from a hard-heartedness of Duratma, the taking life, to the life of giving. Puja Bhatshidamaraj wanted to go in that direction. Family said, that's a little extreme. His uncle said, you see, the thing is, we all believe in God in our family, and that's very good. But he's very far away. You see all those stars? As far as you can see with your eyes, and if you look, even through the telescope, further. God is farther away than that. And we are here. So we should have some acknowledgement of the God, but He's there are things that are more close to us, more important, hmm? because they're closer. And Pujabhatsinamarsh, he replied, he said, Is there anywhere that God is not? This way his uncle was defeated, simply. He could not say no. And his nephew was allowed to... The the religious grip on him was relaxed, that he could move in the direction of experiential spiritual life, beyond humanity, from animality to humanity, from rationality to spirituality. After all, a reason-ruled life is a life that is in which we proceed with caution. Hmm? It's like you're all reasonable people. So, we're all here together, you're listening for me, and you're reasoning about what I say. And some things you let go in to your heart. Some things maybe not. Hmm? Fair enough. Hmm? <laughs> so, you are proceeding with caution. Hmm? And maybe for good reason. There may be so much misrepresentation also in the world, especially in the name of spirituality, which only really leads us to believe the real seeker, to know that as much as there's misrepresentation, there must be representation, real representation. Hmm? And I will find it somehow or other. This kind of spirit, this kind of necessity, that will bring guidance. Not by reason will we find guidance, but by, 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 except by reasoning as to our necessity. Not by the force of reasoning. I'll go and check all the guides with my checklist. Surely I'll find a fault. Hmm? This is a, or this is a faulty way of proceeding. Hmm? For knowing where real guidance can come from. We must go with the heart. And in our heart, if we look, we don't have to reason much to realize. We are very small. We are immeasurably small. Hmm? And the world is immeasurably big. Immeasurably big. There is no finite. Hmm? It is only a conception. Hmm? Maya means to measure. And this is what reason is about. To measure, to gauge, to calculate. There's a place for that. But just as we should not let our senses rule our life, we should not let reason rule our life. Otherwise, the heart will not come out. 
Hmm? The task of the state of the sadhu is to arrest our reasoning. Hmm? Arrest our reasoning so that it's suspended long enough that we can he can his feeling be behind the, the, the somewhat logical arrangement of words this is a difficult thing sadhu has to speak two languages hmm? she has to speak the language of reason and she has to speak the language of love also he has to be acquainted with the realm of love and then to speak about that as reasonably as possible. Hmm? We don't come to spiritual life by reason. No, we come by by, by sangha. My god brother and dear friend, um, Sripad Dhanadamarash, who many of you are familiar with and who many of you have learned much in this community about bhakti from, and... Um, to whom I'm also in, in, indebted for his giving his blessings for me to come here. I wouldn't have come without without that. Um, he likes to say that in Gyan Marg we advance by Bairagya, and in Bhakti Marg we progress by Sangha. By Sangha, this is real yoga, Bhakti. Krishna says it in the Gita. There are many kinds. That's true. But Krishna seems to like bhakti yoga, and for good reason. (laughs) (laughs) And the root of yoga, of course, is yuj, and yuj means to yoke. It has a positive connotation, doesn't it? Hmm? It's often presented yoga as, as, uh, with a negative connotation, giving things up. Hmm? We have to get to that. That will come Hmm? as we talk further about bhakti. But then even to get to bhakti, we have to start to move from duratma to mahatma. Hmm? We have to stop from taking and start giving. Where will we give? Anywhere. Give somewhere. Hmm? Try to give somewhere and try to give without expectation of return. And what will happen mystically is that the object to which we repose, in which we repose our giving will become more refined. In other words, as we become a giver, there's knowledge that will come with that as to how to give, hmm? how to give best, where I can give and give the most. Hmm? If, we, if we want to give food to the body, well, we have to give it to the tongue, that's true. We have to give it to the hand. Hand has to give it to the tongue. Tongue must give it to the stomach. And stomach mystically gives it everywhere. Hmm? So that center must be found, that taker who is the complete taker, the supreme taker of Godhead, <laughs> is the idea. Hmm? Krishna, of course, is depicted as, well, kind of a playboy, an enjoyer. Hmm? Hmm. So, <laughs> on the other end, means there must be givers. Hmm? And, of course, the one who is, 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 the, is, the give, is the taker is also the big giver. Hmm? The stomach is a big giver, right, in a big way in a mystical way, in which no one other individual uh, giver could could give. Hmm? So, to move from hard-heartedness to soft-heartedness, this preem of bhakti is characterized by soft-heartedness, and material life by hard-heartedness. So the self doesn't grow 
when I say by giving the self expands and by taking it contracts, how can something that is immeasurable grow? Hmm? No. The covering of matter and the finite conception that it lives in, the self, that, that forces it to feel a necessity to take, that, that involves it in an apparent struggle for existence, hmm? this is removed. Its fullness comes out. We are not measuring here in a quantitative sense, but in a qualitative sense. The soul doesn't get bigger and it never gets smaller, but it can get warmer, so to speak. It can get kinder. It can be happier. It can find the happiness in itself as it comes out from underneath not only the senses, the sense objects, the senses, the mind, but also the intelligence and the burden of reasoning. Especially intelligent people are burdened by this. Oh, it's troublesome. <laughs> oh, it is a troublesome affair. Hmm? Hmm. Life doesn't make sense. That's my conviction. And it doesn't have to. Love knows no reason. It would stand to reason that if we gave, we would have less power. Practical experience is we have more. We are more. The more that we are is discovered by giving. If we come out from underneath all the coverings of material existence to the Brahman, from selfishness to very expansive selflessness, Oh, there's a great relief in that. We call it bliss, ananda, great relief. I be, I exist. There's no struggle for that anymore. Hmm? In bhakti, in the bhakti of Sri Chaitanya, who, who very much is, a, is like, a, like a father of, of kirtan for the, for the modern world, hmm. he saw a, a, a kind of a the absolute in three moments, being, knowing, and loving. He used the Vedic terminology, the Vedanta terminology, Brahman, Paramatman, Bhagwan, and corresponding paths, Gyan for, for being, Sat, Yoga for knowing, Omniscience, the object, Paramatma, the all-knowing, and Bhagwan for loving, and especially Krishna, Bhagwan. I mean, in the Hindu pantheon, it's a, he's obviously the heart of the whole thing. Here we find the romantic, even life of the absolute, is is being portrayed. I like to think of Bhagavan Sri Krishna, as, for that matter, as Godhead in crisis, God in existential crisis, so human-like. Because as I've described, human life is an existential crisis. That's what it is. What am I? Why am I? I feel, I sense, there's more to me than what meets the eye. Revelation, Vedanta, Yoga, they come to speak about it, to teach about it, to give us tools to realize it, to experience it. Hmm? It's, a, it's an existential crisis, and Krishna is God in existential crisis. Why? Because Krishna means Rasaraj, means king of love. Hmm? 
but he's in the midst of his love life. He sees what? He sees that bhakti. Bhakti supreme. Personified as Radha, the supreme form of love. Hmm? Knows a love of himself that transcends, exceeds anything in his own experience. So he has to question, what is my position? Hmm? I'm the king of love, but she has a love that, that exceeds anything within my own experience. This is God then in existential crisis. This is said, of course, then to, to give birth to Chaitanya, the, pa- the father of Kirtan, hmm? in a sense, in the modern world. It's a big topic, big theological topic, but as you can see, it's a very interesting one. God falls in love. Problem. Hmm? God is falling. Yogis are meditating on him, and he's falling in love. Hmm? This is a problem. <laughs> what is that love, then? That should be the thought. What is that love? Sukamuni, he thought. What is that love? The speaker of the Bhagwat. He was absorbed in Brahman. He heard some songs from the Bhagwat, some poetry, hmm? about Radha's love for Krishna, and he thought, that's a different kind of love. That's something that... I have no interest in material so-called love, but that is drawing me from the stillness of meditation, from the stillness of Brahman, the stillness that arises from no longer identifying with the movements of the world, the things that are here today and gone tomorrow that have me moving. I sit to meditate, but things and thoughts, hmm? my thoughts are on things. Hmm? So I have to get up and address those things those wants, those desires in relation to things, if I, can, if I can separate myself from the things and the wants that connect me to them, the identity that's formed from my wanting, my my is my I, hmm? but nothing is mine. <laughs> so the I derived from my, this is a problematic I. This can't be sustained. Oh, so I'm on the move to try to sustain it, to try to support it. So problematic. If I can stop that, by stop wanting, I can be peaceful, I can sit. Sukamuni, he was sitting peacefully, no wants. He's the speaker of the Bhagwat. When the Raj, a Parikshit of India, was cursed to die in seven days, he thought what to do. He went to the bank of the Ganga to sit. And he asked, what should one do at the time of death? And all kinds of people came from everywhere. I mean, you can imagine, if President Obama decided, he, he, he thought, I'm going to die, and he went to the bank of the Hudson to sit. <laughs> and he thought, you know, all learned people, please tell me now, what shall I do? Death is impending. Hmm? And who is close to death, right? Hmm? Hmm? Who is old? Hmm? Old means close to death. Who can say they are not close? Bhagavad was spoken in seven days to the king, to Obama, by a naked boy, 16 years old, in seven days. It means we all have seven days to live. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. In one of these days, we will die. I mean, our sense of self will die. That sense of self derived from wanting things. Not only from wanting things, but just being absorbed in abstract, abstract thoughts alone. 
See where Western philosophy has taken us. To an empty well. Hmm? We have, in many corners of Western philosophy, decided we don't exist. Philosophy of mind. There's the lights are on, but no one is home. Yoga says no. We disagree. And no, we cannot prove it to you objectively. And no, we don't feel we have to. We have proved it to ourselves, and we are satisfied with that. And you know what? what? And you know what? What is the proof? We don't want anymore. Hmm? We don't want. Sukadev didn't want. He had no wants. That's what it means. He was naked. Hmm? He had no wants. And he spoke the Bhagwat that he had heard in the forest, these poems about Radha and Krishna. He thought, that's a different kind of love. I'm not sure what that is, but it's different. I have no wants, no so-called love, attachment to others for my perceived needs that we make an agreement. I'll meet your needs, you meet mine. And we've got to start somewhere. Hmm? There's a lot of love in relationships, and I want to come to that too, hopefully. Hmm? But he had no wants. But then a want came in him of another kind. Hmm? He was still, and he started to move. We are moving in material life for want of love. We cannot rest until we get love. And when we get love, even materially speaking, do we rest? No. There's another kind of movement, isn't it? We have, love has an orbit of its own. Hmm? We are moving kind of without an anchor, aimlessly searching for love. We find love, and then we move again in another way, anchored, but moving, and it's up and it's down. She loves me, she loves me not. She loves me, she loves me not. Do you love me? Hmm. (laughs) It's a wild ride, but we won't get off that. Hmm? In bhakti, spiritual life is like that. It's not sitting. It's dancing. And Krishna's thinking, she loves me, she loves me not. Subal, what do you think? He talks to his friend. Does Radha love me? Hmm? Yes. Hmm? He's picking the clover. She loves me, she loves me not. This is Krishna. It's pathetic, absolutely pathetic. If the yogis would hear about these things who are meditating on him as the supreme Godhead, they would lose their meditation. What? God is in question of himself? It's such a nice idea. It's not only that 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 uh, uh, we will move from becoming to being and cease becoming. In Prem, there's eternal becoming. Prem is full and always increasing. Hmm? What to speak of Prem? As I said earlier, the material world is infinite. There is no finite. Hmm? Now, if we take love, Material world is hard-heartedness. It's infinitely hard-hearted. It's a cruel place. Hmm? When Darwin penetrated on, penetrated on the cruelness of material existence, then he lost all aesthetic sensibility. He confessed it. Oh, hmm? it's cruel. He should have read Bhagavatam. That's the negative impetus only. Hmm? There's positive impetus in the form of sadhus also to take us fully to the other side, to kindness. Hmm? So from that place, from Brahman to the to the to beyond Vaikuntam even of the Paramatma to Bhagavan and 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 Krishna, dancing, hmm? loving, hmm? 
it is this place, from that place, hmm, to this place, that Kirtan has come. What did Mahaprabhu say? He said, Golokeru Premodhan Harinam Sankirtan. Hari Hari Vipale Janama Vai Vipale Janama Vai Ru Shinarutam Thakur Narutam Narutam Nara means human and Uttam means the best Narutam Thus, hmm? a great poet and saint in our tradition, he's saying this song, isn't it? Narutam, Narutam. He said, see how he spoke. He is a Narutam, he is a Mahatma. And he spoke like a Duratma. Hmm? Isn't it? He said, just see. Manusya Janama Pai Radha Krishna Napa. I have such good fortune. Manusya Janama. I got a human life. Again, soul is on probation. Has a chance now to use intelligence, to do, to do acts of kindness and transcend material existence. Hmm? He says, I got human life. It's very rare. One of my, my guru by, he was sitting before our Gurudev and he said one day, Guru Maharaj, I don't think I'm making any progress. Guru Maharaj said, no progress? What do you mean? You don't think so? He said, He said, Through so many, you have evolved through so many species of life. You have human life now. So rare. How many, how many germs on the end of my finger? Again, I'd count them. How many in the room? How many humans? A few of us. Hmm? And he said, amongst many of them, they are only Dvipada Pashu, in human dress, but they are two-legged animals, taking only. You have human life, and you have a guru, a sadguru. Dulabha manava janama satsange taraha e bhava sindhure. Dulabha manava janama. Very rare to get human life, and in the context of that, sadhusanga. And these two things together, human life and sadhu sangha, taraha e bhava sindhure, the bhava sindhu, the ocean of material troubles and emotions that is easily crossed. Hmm? Narutam says, oh, I have human life. I have sadhu sangha, all these things. But I have not taken advantage of that. He says, goloker premodhan hori nam sen kirtan. He said, this kirtan of nam, of Krishna nam, hori nam, Hari is a favorite name of the devotees of Krishna. Hari. It means who steals. And they mean by that, who has stolen our heart. Hmm? This is Krishna. Hmm? He says this dhan, dhan, wealth hmm, of prem, this is that soft, soft-heartedness what makes real Mahatma so soft-hearted. Hmm? When your wants become mine hmm, only, and I know your real want. 
and I'm living for that. And love, love, that means, it means love of Krishna means loving everyone, everything. So soft-hearted. That wealth, that, uh, that coming, Goloker Premadan, from the realm of Krishna, Golok, Golok, it means, you know, the, the place of cows. And what are cows? Givers. We've seen Krishna surrounded by so many cows. And grass grows for free. Hmm? Comes up even through the concrete in New York City, some places. I've seen it. For a little grass, then, the cow is giving so much, as we know. Milk, and from milk you get butter, and yogurt, and ghee, and make so many nice things. Hmm? And from the, from, the, from the cow dung, we can make houses, and, and keep away mosquitoes, and, um, and cook. And so, it, the idea is, Krishna is surrounded by givers. The question might come, if I only give, who will take care of me? The answer is Gopal. Gopal. Go means cow. Pal means protector. Krishna said, that's me. That's now over here. That's my position. If only giving, I protect them. I take care of them. From that place, Golok, that wealth hmm, of Prem is coming in the form of Hari Nam. Sankirtan, kirtan, like this, collectively. Kolokev premodan, harinam sankirtan, nartam prays. But I'm such a duratma, I have no attraction for that, I have no interest in that. I pretend to be interested because it's cool to do, so I may attend, or for whatever, or I don't attend, or I attend and I don't pay attention, and I'm I'm not interested in plumbing the depths of the theological and philosophical significance of such singing. Could it be that such simple song has such deep meaning? Yes, there are volumes and volumes written about this. This is something that's put in song, this praying, because logic, reason, philosophy, they can't do justice to it. Neither can song, but at least we can sing about it. And, 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 satatam, he says in Gita, we come to the verse, satatam kirtayantoam, always, in every place, at any time, Anywhere. If I give a philosophical discourse about prem, about love, people think I'm crazy anyway. You're going to give a philosophical discourse about love. Hmm. Love knows no reason, Swami. You should have known no one would show up. Hmm. But the point is that some people might, some crazy people might, and there's a time and a place for that, but kirtan is any time. He says, satatam, always. It means anywhere, any time, any place. It means, as I said, as I said also earlier, song and poetry, these are better languages for describing the nature of being and existence than math, for example, which is a descriptive language but lends itself so readily to controlling a measuring language. Hmm? Poetry, song, seeks to expand the world to the extent that, which we, that we feel it should be. We feel it should be bigger. You know, birds fly high in the sky and Fish swim deep in the ocean. But human beings want to fly high in the sky and swim deep in the ocean. Higher than the birds, deeper than the fish. We want to do everything that every particular species of life is suited to do. 
Consciousness in a bird's body gets to fly high in the sky. Hmm? Consciousness in a fish body gets to go to the bottom of the ocean or close. Depends what fish. Hmm? But human beings, why we want to do everything? Because that means self is coming out. And it can do everything. What does Krishna say in Gita? It cannot be withered by the wind, that self. It cannot be drowned by the water. It cannot be burnt by the fire. Hmm? It's not matter. We're sensing that. So we're feeling matter should not restrict me. Hmm? With poor reasoning then, we try to restrict matter hmm? in so many ways. Right? We derive some scientific fact and then with reason and technology we try to seed the clouds and we might be successful to an extent also. But the sun will burn out one day. Hmm? So reason should be used in conjunction with Shastra and Sadhusanga. Shastartha Yukto Nubhava hmm? Pramanamutamamatam that is it. Hmm? The best way of knowing is if you take scripture and reasoning as well from a, someone who has feeling for that, that kind of reasoning. Then you can understand its meaning. You know, religion is not popular today in, in, in many places because there's laws in these books that don't seem to apply to today. Hmm? But it's a nice thing that Krishna says in Mahabharata about that. He says, more or less, morality is a moving goalpost after all. Hmm? That has to be adjusted according to time and circumstance. He says, some people say, whatever the book says, the scripture says, that's right. He says, I don't disagree with that, but... Hmm? It doesn't answer all things for all times. He says this in Mahabharata. Therefore, we should use reason in relation to revelation. Whether to be divine revelation or some scientific revelation, we should use reasoning and apply it. Hmm? We should not use reasoning in relation to scientific evidence at the cost of consideration of divine revelation. Hmm? Well, reason has its place if it's tamed, if you will, by, by revelation, by spiritual practice, if it's used, if the head is used, and again, as I said earlier, to soften the heart, then that reason has meaning. Hmm? And a soft heart, that means, oh, this self is coming out. It, it feels that the, there's more to life than what meets the eye. And poetry and song tend to help us. As I said the other night, in, in, in poetry, the moon can have wings and fly across the sky. Bhagavad says a nice thing. I love this verse. It says, Ayur harati vaipumsam ujyan astam chayanuso. Ayur harati. You know, Ayur ved. Ayur harati here. Life, Ayur harati, is being taken away. Sabaipumsam. Everyone's life is being taken away. Ayur harati vaipumsam ujyan astam chayanuso. By the rising and the setting of the sun. When the sun flies across the sky. It's very beautiful. The sunrise and the sunset was something that we, many years ago, friends of mine and I, and some of you probably too, I was in California at the time, we would like to watch the beauty of the sunrise and the sunset and augment the experience a little bit <laughs> as well. Hmm? But we didn't stop to think, with a little augmentation, I maybe we did, um, what was going on here. The sun was moving across... We didn't think, oh, 
sun's really not moving like that, but the earth is moving like this. No. We like the more poetic explanation. The sun is flying across the sky. It's taking away everyone's life. This is the meaning. This is its real beauty. It's taking away the life of taking that we have taken to, which is taking us into this hard-heartedness, to be stone-like, to be like matter itself. It's telling what could speak louder to us in other words, I mean, if the sun didn't rise tomorrow, it would be in the front page of the New York Times, but no one could read it. Hmm? <laughs> if there was no light, I mean, sun ultimately comes from light. Light comes from sun, I should say. Hmm? And every day it comes up, every single day. And the Bhagavad says, this is what it's saying to you. The life of taking that you've taken to, hmm? that's taking the life out of you, that's making you matter-like, stone-hearted, Stone-like. Hmm? That life is you cannot maintain. It's not you. It's not your life. It says, take to poetry. Uttam shloka means beautiful poetry. Hmm? It said, it's taking the life of everyone except those who are involved in this kirtan of Hari. Hmm? The rising and the setting of the sun. This is this is to go past time. Hmm? This is the idea. Hmm? This kirtan will take us past time. Hmm? It's in just in general in poetry, song. They are more participatory languages. They seek to help us participate in the world rather than to control the world. Hmm? To participate in that means what? To approach it in a different way, in a loving way. If we want to know the truth about life, or about anything, then we would do better to approach in love, because if you love someone, then they tell you all the secrets. Think about it. Hmm? If you want anything from them, they'll hold something back, for sure. Hmm? And love means you don't want anything. Hmm? When you don't want anything from the world, then you will know what the world is about. Hmm? And when you don't want anything from Bhagwan, from God, hmm? then you will know everything that God is about. That is Krishna. <laughs> everything about God is found in Krishna. As much as everything is found out of... in the Buddha is the wisdom, Christ may be the sacrificing, hmm? uh, all manifestations of the Godhead. Here in Krishna we have the heart. God has fallen in love. Get him while he's down. Hmm? <laughs> this is his weakness. Hmm? He's weakened by love, by bhakti. And this bhakti takes the supreme form of kirtan. Satatam kirtayantomam. Bhakti, kirtan is an anga. Anga means limb of the body, angi, of bhakti. Kirtan is not an anga of gyan. Kirtan is not an anga of yoga. What do we have? Chatushai, four angas of Gyan, Vivek, Bairagya, Satsampad, Mukshutva. Vivek, discrimination, this anga of Gyan, Marg. Hmm? Dispassion, hmm? detachment, Bairagya, 
Satsumpat means there's six things, tranquility, forbearance, you have the culture, 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 kind of a uh, mental state. And mumukshutva, mumukshuto, longing for muksha, moksha, for mukti. Hmm? These are the angas of jnana. And yoga we know, yam, niyama, asana, pranayam, pratyahara, dharana, dhyan, samadhi. These are angas of jnana, angas of yoga. And kirtan is one, anga of bhakti. Hmm? So nice that jnanis do bhakti, <laughs> yogis do bhakti, and these days very much in the form of kirtan. And and so many gods and goddesses they'll do kirtan for, which is nice, even though the gods and goddesses haven't asked for that. We don't find Shiva asking, please chant my name. It's a nice thing to do. It's beautiful. But Krishna says it. Chant about me. <laughs> he says, what is that verse? Aham Vaikunta Tishtam. Yeah. Naham Vaikunta Tishtam. I am not in Vaikuntam. Yoginam Hrayeshuva. Neither am in the hearts of the yogis. Where am I, Nard? Wherever my devotees are chanting. Madbhak. Wherever devotees are chanting my name. Madgayanti. That's where I'm present. It's a simple thing to ask for. But you see, we know it's a natural expression of love to, to sing about others. I mean, other than Bob Dylan, you know, most of the songs are about love, you know, and his are abstractly about love also, often. What you shouldn't do, or Joni Mitchell. Well, she was pretty much about love and relationships, and that's good too. Hmm? Important. Life is about love, directly or indirectly. What is not love, exploitation, that should be abandoned, and the, what is love? This is what we are singing about. Hmm? Hmm? Here Krishna says, Satatam kirtayantomam. He says, this satatam also means that it is sadhya and sadhan. It came from Golok, this kirtan. Krishna nam kirtan. Hare Krishna Mahamantra, for example, kirtan. And the wealth that is found within that nam mantra. It came from Golok. It means, and it's, and it's a form of practice. It means bhakti is engaged in for its own sake. We will do bhakti for bhakti. Kirtan will never end. He says, satatam. You enter into kirtan, not to end kirtan. In mukti, kirtan will go on. Hmm? You can get mukti from bhakti, but you can't get bhakti from mukti. Hmm? Bhakti is so full. She gives mukti if you want. Mukti won't give bhakti, though. <laughs> He's a little more stingy. Hmm? Hmm. If Krishna's dancing, the god that Nechi couldn't find, hmm? there must be kirtan. Hmm? Right? So Krishna's saying here, satatam, this is one way of looking at it. He's saying this kirtan, this is a way and the goal hmm? at the same time. And in relation to the way, it's a special way that can be done anywhere, always, anytime. You know, to do meditation, you've got to have a quiet place, you have to sit down, you have to be clean, you have to face in a certain direction, and and so forth, and you keep your mantram to yourself, and so on, and kirtan. They're doing it everywhere. You've seen those Hare Krishnas. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, everywhere, anywhere, anytime, hmm? and some benefit will accrue. Hmm? Hopefully, over time, they'll get it, those Hare Krishnas. What will they get? Trinadupi sunichena. Mahaprabhu Sri Chaitanya, he said like this, there's some decorum, there's a rule to this chanting. This is the rule. You must be humble. How much? He said. I was doing kirtan. I looked and the grass said to me, why aren't you humble like us, the blades of grass? I looked at the tree and the tree said, why aren't you tolerant like me? I stand. I give heat to people in the winter. I protect them from the rain while taking the rain on my, on my, on my, on my own branches. If someone cuts me down, I give them shade. No complaints. My tolerance extends to compassion to others, the tree told them. The grass said, my humility is, is such that, like a blade of grass, if you step on me, I don't get back. I just bend over. I just bend over. No problem. Mahaprabhu said, if you want to chant, always, like Krishna is recommending here, Chaitanya, like I like to think of him as the father of modern day, Kirtan. At the time of Chaitanya, of course, Kabir was doing Kirtan. Nanak was doing Kirtan. Tukurama was doing Kirtan and so forth. But they didn't really develop a theology of Nam hmm? in the same, in exactly the same way or to the same extent. And Kirtan has very much been popularized by, by, uh, influenced by that time. There was a time of a monopoly, of the religious monopoly at that, uh, of the, of the Advaitins. And it was thought, oh, to get to God, you've got to take birth as a Brahmin. Then you've got to take sannyas in that life, and God is hard to get to. And so many bhaktas, they wanted to say, God is closer to you than that. In the form of Nam and Kirtan, anyone can approach easily and readily. So, but some rules for that chanting. These are the rules. One must be humble like a blade of grass, tolerant like the tree. There's a saying in Bengal, oh, I heard about the Prem of Radha and Krishna. And so I wanted that. And then I heard this verse, you must be humble like a blade of grass. Then I knew it was impossible. Hmm? No, we shouldn't think like that, though. Hmm? No. Hmm? This is the mandate. You see, we began here with what? Krishna said, I am difficult to understand. I appear in the world, but people misunderstand me. And that's a great problem. Some people are Mahatmas. They understand me. And this is what they do. They sing my name always. Hmm? And to always sing, Mahaprabhu Shri Chaitanya Dev taught, you cannot do that without being humble, without being tolerant. Amani manadena. Without ex- If you expect honor for yourself, no. You have to give honor to everyone. Hmm? What am I saying here? Think a minute. Where is Krishna? You see the point? We began to wonder, where is Krishna? Why? How to understand Krishna? He appears in the world. Is he just a myth? Is it a story? Is he really here? If he was, did he do all those things? What's a, How to understand? Difficult to understand. How do you convince people about Krishna? We cannot prove history, historically that he appeared. Or How shall we think about it? How shall we know the existence of Krishna? This is the answer. Hmm? The answer is here. In other words, what is a devotee? Hmm? What is really a devotee? If we study what is that idea from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, then we see. We see Krishna when we see the devotee. Hmm? Love of Krishna and Krishna are one and different. There is no meaning to Krishna without love of Krishna. There is no meaning to Krishna 
without Radha. Hmm? The full form of Krishna is the object of Radha's love. If there's a full love, there must be an object of that love. She's the personification of the highest love, corresponding object that is Krishna, dancing. Amishishugurunatha. Radhikar premera unmata. Who is the guru of Krishna? He says it. Hmm? Through the pen of Kabiraj, the poet, Krishnas. Amishishugurunatha. Hmm? I am the shisha. I am the disciple. And the prem of Radha is my guru. Under her school, Nata, dancing, I'm learning to dance. Hmm? God is dancing. Where the Shakti is alive, hmm? Brahman becomes animated. That kind of Shakti. Swarup Shakti. Daivim Prakritim Ashrita. Under which these Mahatmas are moving and doing this Kirtan. And doing Kirtan, why? For, for Karunayaha Purana, out of compassion, out of kindness, out of love. Hmm? It overflow love of Krishna overflows in the form of compassion. Jibadaya. Hmm? Krishna Nam Sarva Dharmasar. The essence of Dharma, Thakur Bhaktivinoda said what? Is kindness to others and Krishna and Krishna Kirtan. Kindness to others. Plenty of Krishna Kirtan, not enough kindness to others. Hmm? That we need. When we find people so kind, so humble, so tolerant that their tolerance towers up like a tree almost in the form of kind of grace and compassion. And, hmm? We want to live with them. We want to be with them. Hmm? We'll be convinced. If this love exists, Krishna must exist. Hmm? This is a great challenge to do kirtan, hmm? to really do kirtan. What it will, what it will make you, what it will turn... What how soft-hearted it will make you! Hmm? Just upon seeing you, then people will think, "Krishna, Krishna," will come from their mouth. Krishna, Krishna. I saw my guru, and Krishna, Krishna, came from my mouth. Hmm? And he was so humble. He was convinced. Conviction and, and pride are two different things. Hmm? In real humility, of Krishna Namakirtan, we'll be very convinced. Hmm? We may speak very strongly and very convinced, but that's different from pride. Hmm? You may even appear a, little, appear a little aggressive, but sometimes love can be like that. Hmm? My Guru Maharaj said, I came to your country as an aggressor. I said, thank you. <laughs> aggressive. Krishnanam itself is a little aggressive. He goes into your heart, even though you don't want it. And there you have high walls and locked doors. He goes anyway hmm? and steals it away. So we want, in Kirtan, the object is, is to love Krishna. But we may have a problem. This is a problem that people bring up to me. What about my wife? What about my children? What about my husband? How can I be detached and love God? But I, I, how do I, I mean, understand, a lot of people bring this up. Hmm? Many of us are in significant relationships, meaningful relationships. It's all about loving Krishna, not wanting anything else. Exclusive love, Ananya Bhajan. Hmm? What to do? There's a nice song. What did Bhaktivinoda say? He said,
Vane means forest, so forest means who leaves the world, right? The Atti, the Sannyasin, he or she leave the world. Whether you that situation, detached, left the world, or Grihe, Taku means who lives. Who lives in the forest or lives in the house? Hmm? There's no difference. Sada Hari Bolidako. If you do this, always chant the holy name. Hmm? Now, what to do? Hmm? There's another idea, a very nice philosophical idea. Shirupa Goswami has given. He has given a treatise on bhakti, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, the ocean of the nectar of bhakti explaining bhakti rasa in so many ways, uh, comprehensively. And there he's describing rati for Krishna, hmm? love for Krishna, love like a lover, love like a friend, something like that. Hmm? He says, he, he more or less he poses the question, or answers a, a, a theoretical question. What about my relationship with Another devotee. I love Krishna exclusively. What about my wife is a devotee? What about that? My husband is a devotee. My partner is a devotee. Hmm? Another devotee. <laughs> is there any? What, where does that fit in to Krishna bhakti? He says, "Sanchari syat samano va Krishna ratya suhridrati." He gives a special sanchari. Surit Rati, love of the friend, he says. No problem. Hmm? He says, Sanchari Sat uh, Samanova. Uh, he said, in the midst of Krishna Rati, loving Krishna completely. Hmm? Someone may love a devotee, another devotee, like oneself, as much as Krishna. Or a little less, it's possible. Hmm? He says, this is called surit rati, the love of a friend. It is a sanchari. In other words, <laughs> the stai, the dominant relationship, that, that the hub around which the orbit of our love will move is love for Krishna. Krishna is my friend. Krishna is my lover. Sridam, Sudam, Krishna is my friend. Hmm? Radha, Lalita, Vishaka, Krishna is my lover. Hmm? Yashoda, Krishna is my son. Hmm? There's all, all kinds of love in Krishna. We don't find it in Narayan, hmm? but in Krishna. 
that this fixation, this is the, this, the, the hub around which the orbit, my, my love orbits. Hmm? But love of the friend then is a sanchari. It augments my love for Krishna. Hmm? So I love my wife, I love my partner, hmm? who's also a devotee, hmm? um, in the context of loving Krishna. Both of us love Krishna more than we love one another, or equally. <laughs> Something like that. Hmm? I'm giving a very kind of basic understanding of a high idea. Hmm? But it does play itself out right? in terms of bhaktis being user-friendly. It's not about detachment. Hmm? I said earlier, this was an anga of Gyanmarg. There's really no detachment in bhakti. There's only love. If in the context of loving Krishna, something is not favorable, then I give that up. Is that renunciation? Or is that love? You understand? If I love you, and I know something that I'm doing is not pleasing you, I love you by giving that up. This is the renunciation in bhakti. Hmm? It's, no, it's just about love. It's all positive, hmm? is the idea. Hmm? And so love of the... I love Krishna. My partner loves Krishna. What if your partner isn't a devotee of Krishna? Problem. Hmm? Then what? Then what will we do, Swami? Because I want to love my partner anyway. And I do. Hmm? Then be a devotee. Because as I said earlier, if you're really a devotee, hmm, then where will Krishna be more than in you? Hmm? Somebody asked me, have you seen Krishna? I said, I wasn't looking. To serve Krishna, that I'm looking for. Hmm? To see Krishna, that I'm not concerned. But to serve Krishna, that I'm looking for. That's where Krishna will be found. Hmm? You understand? In loving Krishna, Krishna is found. In the devotee's heart, that is where Krishna. The devotee is the center for Krishna. Love of Krishna is where Krishna bows his head. Hmm? Every religion te- teaches that God is the most worshipable object, and we are teaching about the most worshipable object of God. That is Radha, love personified, and all bhakti is coming from her. Hmm? So it is. So, be a devotee, and Krishna is what. Krishna means all attractive. Your partner will become attracted. Hmm? Truly be a devotee. <laughs> if you say, but, but, but my partner is not a devotee, then I say, then you're not a devotee. <laughs> Something like that. Hmm? Be a devotee. And lover and Krishna will be present. Hmm? So, I'll stop with that. Any question? You don't have to have a question. What's the time now? Marge, you know, um, yes. we talked before sometimes that uh, we say that if we uh, have a class and we learn one thing, we think is a good class. But there were so many things you taught today, I couldn't even remember them all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there were so many beautiful points, so I'd really like to thank you for sharing your heart. And... Uh, just even that point about when you love something, then you know it more, and then it refines where you repose the love. So many beautiful points today. So I think if there's no questions, I think there's just so much to think about. Yeah.
we had a little more time, we could... But thank you very much. It was really wonderful. One thing to think about is that it's that you're all 50% of this, of course, at least. So you're inquiring minds and hearts, and I asked you to get a little closer so that I could feel you. Thank you for doing that. feels good, and so some things I said tonight I've never said before, so I, you know, it comes, and, and uh, you're, you're part of that. So this, this is Kirtan. We're doing something together here. This is, this is Sadhusanga. It's not one, one-sided. Hmm? Yes? You know, when it says you were talking about how uh, there's no, it's not logical. Love isn't logical. And I was thinking sometimes when you really love something, or, you know, if you love God, whatever, you could just say, I love you, 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 like a zillion times. Yeah, yeah. Like, you could think you're crazy. Like, and you would look just, crazy, yeah. You know, like, you know, overflowing. And then you kind of think, if you think about it, it seems wrong. But while you're doing it, you know, a mother with her child or something, I mean. Yeah, it's a madness, for sure. <laughs> And love also wants to share itself by its very nature. And then it finds that it can't always because everyone's not receptive, so it has to withdraw. So in this love, we have this outgoing sharing, and then it, and it takes us inward. The more we share outward, the more we go inward. The more we go inward, the more we share outward. It's uh, that's like the banks of a river, like union and, and separation, something like that. So, yeah, it's a madness for sure. <laughs> it's 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 a, it's a it, uh, it doesn't make sense, and it, and it doesn't have to. Yes? I have a question about, um, well, maybe a statement, but maybe a question to you. Um, you know, in the human experience, we always say, um, you know, I love you unconditionally. And, um, you know, and again, in the human experience, through attachment, there's suffering. And through the misuse of the intelligent mind, we have conditions on our love for other human beings. So we can love somebody, but there's always conditions on that love. It's never unconditional. Can you speak on that a little bit? Well, one thing, one of the conditions, if you will, of material existence is that um, the identities that we have derived from our material attachments are not going to endure. That's a condition. Hmm? So it's hard to love unconditionally when the conditions are such that the objects of our love are temporal. Hmm? So... We need to be a little bit wise in our love, and 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 in a, the more we can factor some wisdom, so to speak, into our love, the more we can love people for what they are, uh, at least have a metaphysical idea of what they are, and that will help us to to I think love them more unconditionally than than not if we if we don't have that, and um, and even then, of course, yes, you know, only as proficient as we are in loving wisely can our love be without conditions. But I think what I'm saying here is that it's good to know a little philosophy, um, you know, uh, behind your spiritual practice and have your and to and to get good company to hear about that. And we know philosophy, but when we get good song it makes us question what we know and challenges our knowing and think about it with a different vocabulary. I mean you all know everything I said tonight, more or less. I'm not saying anything that's really foreign to your heart, but a little bit of a different vocabulary think about it from a different angle and so forth. Sadhu Sangha will help us in that regard. And, and, uh, and the more we're, you know, the more our practice, if you will, our bhakti, uh, or whatever our spiritual practice is, is informed, hmm? then the more that's going to translate out into how we uh, deal with everyone and everything in life and, and, and uh, 
it facilitates our overcoming the conditioning. I mean, you, you speak about loving for reasons, unknown reasons, wants, psychological needs, and so on and so forth. I mean, really, to iron all that out, that's what we're doing. Hmm? That's what sadhana is really, really about. Um, the environment is friendly, you know, but let, let um, everyone has... <laughs> That's his destiny. Let them let them experience it. And try to make instead of trying to make their destiny part of uh, part of uh, make our destiny out of theirs. Or you know, anyway, that's uh, it's a big problem, right? It's it's a huge problem, and I and I think that sadhana's the answer, and and um, in in the context of kirtan or bhakti, that um, we shouldn't shy away from from philosophy as well. Form, but let there be bhakti and let there be Vedanta, bhakti, Vedanta. Otherwise, you know, they're relative means to help. You're good at that. You're a doctor, and and there are psychologists and so forth. I'm certainly not uh, one of them. No college education, anything like that. But uh, anyway, hope that helps. Yes. Just uh, one question, because someone recently asked me this, and we just never got to discuss it fully. But um, they were saying, and you know, Catholicism, you know, really would stress, and you know, like the relationships we have are part of the spiritual thing. But he said in the Bhagavatam. There's a sense of becoming detached from those relationships. You know, which even though the person was a, a Vaishnava, didn't like the concept. So how do you reconcile those two? That, you know, the, the Sanchari Bhav, it's attachment, but are we supposed to become detached? You know, was it well, imposed? I think that properly understood detachment is the first is is a is detachment is about becoming attached properly understood detachment is about standing back enough from the world to see the world for what it is and then entering into the world this is the bhakti perspective so i think of detachment as the as as the first stage in, a, in attachment, in other, words, in other words, if you're too close to a thing, you can't see it for what it is. Hmm? And so, therefore, you abuse it, and it abuses you, and so forth. So you step back from it with some objectivity. You see it for what it is, and then you enter into it with that understanding. Hmm? So, really, detachment is the first, is the beginning of, of meaningful attachment. Hmm? Attachment to that which is an endures. So the devotee, as much as one is a devotee, as much as one is eternal soul and reviving that or understanding that, realizing that, and so the it's a it's you, you so the Bhagavad, if you study it carefully, I mean it, it speaks about detachment, but as in this way, in the context of cultivating attachment to that which is worth being attached to, and I, there's not. I mean, you, I guess you, there's a, there's a fair amount of Vedanta and Catholicism in Augustine and uh, and um, Aquinas and you know Augustine in particular was pretty good, um, but a lot of that gets lost on uh, the average practitioner, I suppose. And I, I don't. And I was a Catholic boy, 
born in in, in uh, Teaneck at the Holy Name Hospital, not far not far from here. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, <laughs> but I think that um, the Bhagavatam is is certainly very powerful. Um, um, I mean, theological book. <laughs> That, uh, that emphasizes detachment and see it. Just see how it can be read to be about detachment when in actuality that detachment is only really talking about attachment. It's not separate from that. It's in the context of that. I mean, you have all these big kings that become detached and so forth, but they become devotees. Hmm? They become attached. Yes, that helps? Me of like, you know, if you're in a, uh, let's say, even if you're in an earthly marriage, you know, like this, and Sometimes, uh, if things get very bad in the marriage, it's it's actually like unnecessary in order to enter into it fully. Because sometimes we are blind. We think that that's love, just being like that. But sometimes when you do step back and then you see what you really, what it is, what you have maybe, and then you really see what it is. And even if it's just for this time, it's temporal, but still, it's about that commitment that we're willing to have from seeing the truth. Exactly. Detachment is never a goal unto itself. Bhairaga can never be a goal unto itself. Whereas bhakti or love, that can be a goal unto itself. Detachment is only provisional. Anything else? No, we've talked for a while, so. So, some kirtan and some, there'll be some prashad. Hari Kirtan Ki Jai. Yeah.